Good evening, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Sunday service. Today is Sunday, March 20th. And we were going to talk about how to find cash buyers utilizing batch leads, but my partner, Cody, who would be doing that, um, is in Big Spot, Sky, Montana, with horrible internet service. So I told him, you know what, man, let me take care of Sunday service tonight. He does it for me uh, from time to time. And I will jump into general Q&A and also talk a little bit how to get started. It's the most common question I get in my Instagram DMs. Every single day, I get the same question a thousand times. And I honestly don't know how to answer it and like just give people the magic pill of how to get started because it's impossible to actually answer the question of how to get started because everybody wants and needs a different outcome, right? Some people want to get started in wholesale, uh, whether that's wholesaling cash deals or wholesaling creative deals, it doesn't matter. Some people want to fix and flip. Some people want to buy and hold. Some people want to develop. Some people want to go build um, big commercial spaces and do multifamily. So it's really challenging when somebody says, how do I start in real estate? Then when you add the layer, the additional layer on top of that of, hey, how much money do you have? How much experience do you have? Where do you live? All of those types of things really get challenging when you're trying to answer the question of how do I get started in real estate? Now, for me, how did I get started in real estate is I was a contractor for nearly 10 years. Now, I grew up in a blue collar family. My father painted on the weekends. He had 12 children. And so my dad always worked two jobs. Even when my dad was making multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, my dad always had side hustles and other businesses he was working because he had so many kids. In fact, my uh, family went through nearly a gross of eggs every single week, a gross of eggs and a dozen gallons of milk. So think about the cereal, think about the food, think about all of the things that my parents had to pay for with 14 people in their household. My dad uh, taught me how to work from a very young age on a paint crew, and I was part of my dad's paint crew. If I wanted to take somebody out on a date, I took uh, my dad would give me a job to do to earn 20 bucks. I never, ever, my parents never gave me a handout. My parents never told me, here's $200, here's $100, any of that kind of stuff. I always, always, always had to work for whatever dollar I made. Now, there's good sides and bad sides to that. The good side is that I never, never look at work as challenging or hard. I love work. I desire work. I want to work seven days a week because I enjoy doing it. My parents taught me how to learn uh, to love work. The downside to that is that when I got into my 20s, what did I do? When I wanted to support my wife and start having a family, I went and exchanged my time for money because that's what I knew, right? This is mindset stuff. This is all mindset stuff. I learned to exchange my time for money. If anybody's in this side chat on this live YouTube, by the way, most people, guys, just FYI, um, my um, YouTube is where people mostly hang out. So go to youtube.com forward slash pace Morby. It's like that also on wholesale hotline, usually on wholesale hotline, we'll get roughly 800 people. And the majority of the people that come out for, um, Sunday service are also on my YouTube channel, but on wholesale hotline, if we get 800 people, 500 or 600 of them are in my YouTube channel. So I would make it a habit of just going in there and showing up and networking with the people in my YouTube channel. So when I turned, uh, when I got into my 20s, um, a lot of people don't know this, but I 
graduated high school, spent a year working, and then immediately went on a Mormon. I am Mormon. A lot of people don't know I am Mormon, but I went on a Mormon mission to South Korea. I learned how to speak, write, read Korean, and I was there for two years, and I served my church for two years. I gave up two years of my life to go serve my church. And um, when I came home, I was 21 years old, and I didn't know anything except go get a job, right? Go to college. That's what I, that's what I basically learned. Go get a job, go get, go, go to college, work hard, right? This, these are the things that I learned. And so ultimately I found my way through being an entrepreneur. I owned other companies. Like I still own the golf company. I started when I was 24, 25. Um, I'm still part owner in that company. I was a part owner in a large manufacturing company doing millions of dollars a year in sales. Um, but when I turned 25 and I started dating Laura, my current wife, um, I said, you know, I want to go be a contractor. And I went out and built houses. In fact, I ended up fixing and flipping 7,000 houses for other people before I ever fixed and flipped a house for myself. And what's ironic about that, I've told this story in way greater length to my sub two students in more private settings. But I had a mindset issue that I didn't believe I could get into real estate, which is so ironic because I was the one doing the most challenging part of the fix and flips. I was managing the crews, getting the construction done, staying on budget, staying on timeline. That literally is the most challenging part of getting into construction and getting into fix and flip. Well, I didn't know. I, right? I didn't know that there was such thing as wholesaling. I didn't know I definitely didn't want to be a real estate agent. I looked at real estate agents and I've always had this opinion. They have the worst job in real estate. And um, sorry, if you're, I, I'm, when I talk about real estate agents, guys, there's a big difference between real estate agents who are just showing houses and real estate agents that understand how to invest and work deals and be creative and all that kind of stuff. And I definitely knew I didn't want to do that. It wasn't until I was working for, um, great, great questions, guys. You guys have a couple of questions. I'll jump on it. It wasn't until I started working for OfferPad and Open Door and Zillow that I um, realized that I could do this myself. So I finally jumped into, um, I got my first fix and flip done, okay? So um, it took me a long time. It took me a long time to figure that out, all right? Now, um, if you guys have questions about that or anything else, we'll jump into it today. But I know it's a big challenge for a lot of people. It was a big challenge for me too, just because I didn't have access to information. Nobody told me how to get into real estate. I stumbled into it, okay? Um, Rifer Boy says, Q&A, in your opinion, what is the best way to get real buyers in your area regardless of cost? Okay, um, regardless of cost. I like that, that question. Number one, the most important thing when dealing with a buyer is you want to make sure that they are a real buyer, not a wholesaler, not somebody that's going to co-wholesale or try and JV your deal. Do I have a problem with JV deals? Absolutely not. I buy deals from wholesalers who are constantly doing joint ventures. JV means joint venture for the, you, those of you who are new to this. Um, I have nothing wrong with it. But when I'm selling my deal, let's say I get a house under contract and I'm selling my deal, I don't want to know whether the person that is a buyer is going to close on that or not because I'm not sure if they're actually the buyer or if they're going to wholesale my deal. I want to know. I want to absolutely know that that is my real buyer. And so in that case, the way that I find out somebody's a real buyer or not 
is there's multiple ways to do this, okay? Now, the challenging part of this and giving you guys the information is that some of you guys don't want the real information because it's going to frustrate you. But I'll tell you, where do we find real buyers, okay? Number one, where do you guys think we find real buyers, okay? Where do we find real buyers, guys? I know that YouTube's usually on a delay, so I'll give you guys a couple of seconds to answer this. I'm going to give you three, I'm going to give you three or four places to find real buyers, okay? Where do I find real buyers? Let's see what you guys got. Meetups? Okay, meetups are good. Uh, I'll put meetups down here at the bottom. Meetups. Um, on Sunday service? Yeah, maybe. Brian Catalan, public records. That's number one. There you go. Must be a student or something, huh? Um, batch. Okay, batch, I would say second. Now, I'll tell you guys why batch is second. And I'm, I'm just honest, even though batch does pay me sushi money. Okay. Um, Primal Eskimo, pace be as raw as possible today. Bro, I was raw for four hours straight this morning. I think you guys got a taste of some rawness this morning. Who was, who was there for the raising private capital deal? Um, this morning. That was really, really good. Prop stream, kind of the same thing, right? Prop batch and prop, kind of the same thing. Let's just be honest. Uh, local RIA, poll cash buyers list, meetups, batch, public records, meetups in the field, cash sales, public records, county records. I like that. Um, need the cold hard truth. Okay, got it, got it. Recent sales. Okay, cool. So here's, let's kind of, let's do this because if you don't have access to number one, this is a challenge. Nobody wants to hear the truth. It's MLS. Okay. The MLS is where my wife finds most of our cash buyers here locally, but why don't you guys want to hear that answer? It's because most of you guys are not licensed real estate agents and you don't want to hear some, some people just don't want to hear that answer because guess what? You're not a real estate agent and you don't know how to talk to real estate agents. And so, um, nope, Facebook groups, I wouldn't even put on this list. If a cash buyer is in a Facebook group, that means they're not a cash buyer. That means they're a co-wholesaler or uh, daisy chainer, okay? Um, you do not find real cash buyers in Facebook. Uh, if you find a real cash buyer in Facebook, then that is not a real cash buyer. That's somebody that's going to backend you or they're going to act like they're really the buyer when they really aren't the buyer. Um, sorry, that that is the truth, okay? Uh, Facebook group is not where you find them. So MLS... That is where we find our cash buyers here local. But if I don't have MLS access, right? So I don't have MLS access in Atlanta. I don't have MLS access in Florida. I don't have MLS access in Texas. I don't have MLS access in Nevada, okay? Those are other areas that I'm buying houses in. If I don't have access to the MLS in those areas, where do I go, okay? I will go to um, typically county records. Okay. If you go to county records, you guys can actually see um, who's buying and who's not buying. And everything is public data. Okay. Everything is public data. It's very simple. People overthink this. If you guys are going to Facebook, that means you're not finding real buyers. Okay. Real buyers don't exist on Facebook. Okay. Those people are part buyers. Maybe they buy a little bit and sometimes they wholesale but that's not who a real buyer is, okay? That's a hybrid or that's a J, that's a co-wholesaler, okay? And there's nothing wrong with them, but you asked me the question of where can I find a real cash buyer? A real cash buyer doesn't have time to do wholesale, okay? 
A real cash buyer doesn't have time to do wholesale, okay? You're not gonna find a real cash buyer on a stage. You're not gonna find a real cash buyer on a YouTube channel. You're not gonna find a real, now what do I mean by that? Let's be, let's be legit here. A real cash buyer means they're not wholesaling and there's no chance they're ever gonna go around you. That's their sole purpose is they just wanna cat, they just wanna do cash buying. That's it, okay? They're not unicorns. They are not unicorns, they're everywhere. Okay. In every state, you have about 50 to 75. Pay attention to this. I'm going to give you guys a little breakdown. Home investors are really good. There we go. That's a really good one, uh, Kevin. And I gave you guys the nationwide home investors list. Home investors, I would say number four. Okay. Home investors is number four. Uh, Baltazar, Pace, how or where can I get your novation agreement? I will never give a non student any agreement, any documentation, any paperwork. Um, that, that pertains to creative finance. I'm sorry. It's like handing a loaded gun to somebody that's not trained with it. I'll give you a cash deal all day long. You want a cash contract? I'll give you that all day long. But anything creative finance, novation agreements, Morby method, seller finance, agreements for sale, wraps, subject to any of that paperwork, you got to go and do a deal with a student or you got to be a student yourself. Um, I would, I would um, go after maybe working with some of my students in the side chat. It's a pretty easy way to do it, okay? So um, home investors, that's a really great one. The We Buy Ugly Houses people, there's 1,100 of them. Actually, I think there's 1,300 of them now nationwide. So there's a lot of them. Um, I gave all of the sub two students access to that list. Um, all right. And now the other thing is MLS, county records, and then what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to SAS companies, okay? What does SAS stand for? SAS, SAS stands for software as a service, okay? What you guys understand as SAS is you guys understand batch leads, okay? Batch leads, also prop stream, also um, deal automator, which is a CRM that I'm switching over to. So um, really, really simple. If you guys want me to show you on batch, I can, but basically what you're gonna do is you're gonna be going on one of these companies and we use batch leads to find our buyer. So batchleads.io. You guys want a discount forward slash pace. I do actually get paid by them, um, which I'm proud to to promote. They're awesome. Um now here's the challenge with a lot of people. You guys don't understand how to find out if somebody actually bought a property and how to verify that they bought that property. Okay. So if you find somebody's LLC, here here's a couple of things. Okay. Yeah, list source is good. List source is a really good one too. But again, remember, I already I already listed SaaS, right? SaaS stands for software as a service. So software as a service would be list source and any other company you could even come up with that's a software company or an online thing, okay? So th these are the five places you find cash buyers. Now, the second thing I will jump into before I jump into another question, okay, is how do I verify that they're actual real cash buyers. How do I verify that they're real cash buyers? Number one, look up their LLC. Okay, look up their LLC. Pretty important, right? So let's take a look. Um, let me call Cody real quick. I don't know, I don't even know what the name of our LLC is that we buy deals in. 
We have so many. We have, we we create a new LLC every month. Hello? Hey, what's the name of the LLC we're currently buying fix and flips in? Blue Acorn Investments LLC. Thank you. That's all I needed. Yeah, for okay, bye. So Blue Acorn Investments. Um, Blue Acorn Investments LLC. Let's pull that up. You guys want to see how to find a whether somebody actually owns a property or not and see if somebody's a real buyer? Pretty simple. So a lot of you knuckleheads out there are going out and you guys are finding these cash buyers that are pretending to be cash buyers, okay? And they actually never own a property in their freaking life, okay? So let's go to um, let's go to County Assessor's office. Okay, County Assessor. You guys can Google this. I suggest you guys do this on your own um, computer right now or, oh, this is so dumb. Why is Google asking me for permission? Okay, perfect, thank you. Okay, where are we? Cool. Okay. So county assessor's office. What the heck? Hold on a second. Wow. Google doesn't want me to share my screen. That's freaking annoying. Here's what we'll do. We'll do, we'll bypass this. All right. Google doesn't want me to share my screen. Suck my freaking earlobes. Google kiss my ass. Watch out. Watch how much smarter I am than you, you dummy. All right. Check this out. Oh, look, I was looking at my mobile home park on this a couple days ago. Okay, pretty simple. Google, kiss my ass. I'm going to share my screen however I freaking want. Okay, so county assessor office. Okay, so let's do county assessors Maricopa. Let's pull that up. Pretty freaking simple, guys. Look at this. Okay, so my assessor is going to assess the value of properties. Let's see. I wonder if I can pull up um, Blue Acorn Investments. Oh, damn. Okay, so now, guys, can we verify that Blue Acorn Investments currently has eight fix and flips under this one LLC? Guys, is I mean, did we did we just like break break your minds how easy that was? Okay. So all these properties, you guys can pull them up. You can pull up every APN number right here. All these are APN numbers means recording, or I'm sorry, um, lot numbers, essentially. There's the name of our LLC. There's the addresses associated. And on this one LLC, which is a newer LLC, which is why I didn't know the name of it. Pretty simple, right? I mean, you guys can go on any assessor's website on any county. Okay, and you can find whether somebody actually is a cash buyer or not. Would you guys say that I actually own property? I mean, look at this. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I wonder what some of our other company names are. Let's see. Um, Rent. Ready. AZ, I think, is another one. Okay. There's another LLC. It has properties in it. Let's see. We got, we got like 30 of them. Um. Let's see, moving forward ventures. Let's see how many in Arizona we own. Probably not a lot. There we go. Yeah, moving forward ventures we primarily use for um, out of state. Okay. Ooh. All right. So let's see, what's another one? Blue Acorn 
development. I spelled it wrong. Hold on. I don't know how to spell, guys. I'm sorry. Blue Acorn Development. Let's see. I think I'm spelling that one wrong. I don't know the name of that one. Anyway, so Cody knows all the names of our LLCs, but um, the one that we're currently buying in right now, I, I pulled it up, showed it to you guys. So I don't know. There's this Cody thing. It's, I think the problem is you have so many LLCs that you end up running out of names. And um, so Primal Eskimo says, I thought we should go to the clerk of the court. Well, you, you probably could do the same thing. But the county assessor is who assesses all the property values, right? Yeah, Mark, Mark Rice says Mormon can't, Mormons can't spell. I, I would say that's accurate. Um, I don't, I don't know why Cody chose that company name, but he did. And that's perfectly fine. We create new LLCs all the time. And so I think you just run out of names and you don't want to name your LLC after the property name. That's just kind of stupid and hokey. Um, so we just come up with kind of funny names. And for a long time, we just came up with funny names. And I think he, we ran out of funny names and I honestly stopped being involved in it. And Cody just started calling things blue acorn investments, blue acorn development, Blue Acorn Management, Blue Acorn this, Blue Acorn Technology, right? There's a whole bunch of things that Blue Acorn owns. And that was probably the 30th or 40th LLC, okay? Um, ooh, that's a great one. Um, this, is, this is a great conversation. Ivan, um, no, all LLC, all pro eight properties under the same LLC. Um, man, Ivan, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you guys want to come on here and actually um, talk to me, live. I'm going to give you guys a link in the side chat. I'd love for you guys to come on here and actually ask me some questions um, and be able to hear your voice. Okay. Um, Pace, how much for corporate structure from the LLC Zoom? Uh, Kyle Robichaud, um, I, I don't know what your question means. You've, you have access to my corporate structure Zoom. Um, it's free for you. You're a student. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, all right, guys, I gave you the link to StreamYard. So come on to StreamYard. I'd love to chat with you, okay? Um, if you guys have a, a specific question. Um, Ivan, you have a great question. I'd love to chat with you about it. It's kind of a hard one to describe um, because I want to make sure I get into the mindset that you have behind that question before I start walking down that path. Um, can we talk about how the Fed rates will affect the real estate market? Yeah, sure, Cole. Um, retail buyers will potentially slow down just a little bit. Um, and people will continue to buy. There's the answer right there. Um, guys, if you are on your phone and you have horrible lighting and horrible internet, I will cut you off so fast. You won't even believe it. Um, guys, if you are on your phone, turn my, turn whatever it is you're listening to the show on. Okay. You will be removed from the show. Oh, Jeffrey, shit. how you doing, man? Hello? What up, dog? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. It's actually echoing a lot. It's because, <laughs> so, is it I'm... because you're listening to it on a different screen? Yeah, so I it's hard. That's, to... called, that's called being a knucklehead. Turn it off on your other, on the other screen. Luna, are you ready to talk? Luna, are you ready to talk? This is why we can't have nice things, guys. Y'all y'all need, it's 2022. Yes, it might be smart for you guys to figure yes, out how to yes. use technology. Can you hear me? I can hear you. 
glad we can have nice things, guys. Hello? Yes. Luna, do me a favor. Turn off whatever you're listening to, the TV, the commercials, the whatever. Hello? I'm going to fire you from StreamYard. Wow. Bye. Bye. Daryl Ellison. Daryl Ellison. There's my guy. What up, Doc? What's up, Pace? What's up, bro? Why is it so hard for people to figure out technology? I don't know, bro. You'd think it'd be easy. We're in 2022. I, you know we landed What's on up, the moon man? in the 70s? <laughs> yeah, I've like, seen you. I, I liked your video today, bro. I like the gritty. Oh, yeah, dude. My one. wife was like, can you please do that? And I was like, why, why is that one good? She's like, just do it for me. It's really good. I was like, all right, cool. I'll do it. Happy to do it. It was a good one. I tagged the guy who invented the dance. Hopefully, he reposts it. Oh, that'd be dope. But that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be sick. But, um, hey, I had a, a quick question. Um, I have a, I'm trying to uh, close on this deal. Well, I was going to wrap it in Mississippi. The okay. title company we're using, they're saying they can't give me an owner's policy. Why? And she tried to advise me. She says they can, she, they, you know, these, she acted like they knew what they were doing the whole time, the whole transaction. And we were supposed to close last week. And then she says that she, she can't uh, do an owner's policy. They can do the, she actually advised me to just go uh, record it myself. And I'm like, well, okay, what do why? I need you for? Why? I, she said it was it's what her attorney uh, told her. Okay, will you do me a favor and will you copy me on an email with her and just say, hey, I'm, I'm copying Pace Morby, my private lender on the deal. He's wondering why we don't have an owner's policy. Okay. I want to hear her. I'll do that right now. I have to get on the phone with her attorney. All right, cool. You're handsome. Appreciate it, bro. All right. Anybody not have an Android that wants to come on here and chat with me? Y'all are walking around your room. I can see you, Aaron Smelker. Jeffrey, y'all are walking in your mom's backyard and stuff on your cell phones. Like, get the freak out of here. All right. Um, <laughs> y'all are in your mom's basement and shit trying to do, trying to be on my YouTube live. Y'all, you, I need to like punch through the phone and punch some people out right now. It's crazy. Um, guys, you know, we landed on the moon in like the 70s, right? Like the technology that exists for YouTube live is not that advanced. All right. Aaron, what are you eating, man? Are you going to be done eating by the time I call on you? Okay. You there, dog? Yes, sir. Here he is. There. Aaron, what up, man? How's it going? It's going good. How about you? I'm good. What do you got for me tonight? Yeah, so I'm in the process of closing a deal, and I just got a question. So so this actually hasn't been through probate yet. Okay. So I was wondering if the buyer could cover that, or is that something that I would come up, uh, have to come out of pocket for? Um, okay, so you you have a deal that has not gone through probate yet correct who's your mentor oh i'm actually don't have a mentor okay because i was going to say fire their ass immediately okay because can i tell you a couple things yeah you are not technically in a legally binding contract right now no i i am no you're not Oh, I got you. You're saying the probate hasn't started. Well, what I, what I was thinking is I can the just per, the, per, the only way to sign a legally binding contract. You have a contract. I'm not arguing that you have a contract, but it's not legally binding. The person you signed with is not the legal representative of that estate yet until the probate is complete. Correct. 
right? So you're going to run into a trouble. You're going to run into some trouble because the contract you signed is before probate. So here's what, here's what I would do. Okay. This is what I would advise you. Number one, turn your phone sideways. Okay. Never mind. Put it back to where it was. It was fine. Okay. Number one, what I would do is I would find a buyer that's willing to pay for that. If you sold that deal to me, I would buy, I would pay for the probate for you. Okay. And I would recognize, unfortunately, that what happens. Okay. So check this out. If I have a contract with the seller and the mm -hmm. seller in a week or two weeks or whatever it is, finds out that they can get a higher offer from somebody else, you know, that legally they can just go and sign with whoever they want. The second the probate is done. Right. And that's why I kind of sent it before. Because what I was thinking is we can get an agreement now and just solve the problem mm -hmm. later. And I was like, why, why risk and wait the market shift? I was what, like, where's the market? Where is it located? Yeah. Almost located in Decatur. Oh, it's a cash deal? Right. Okay. I'll be the buyer on that. Okay. That, that works. I just got the, um, I just got uh, all three of them to sign tonight because it was, um, it was getting passed down to, it was getting inherited to three of them. And so I made sure all three of them signed the contract. Um, but okay, so so that you're in Decatur. I like Decatur. I buy in Atlanta area. Okay, and um, I will happily pay for the probate for you before the actual contract is valid. That you currently don't have a valid contract. So what you have to do is you have to find a buyer like me, who's a badass like me. Okay, and will I'm willing to because I'm a legit cash buyer. I'm willing to put some money on the line pay for the probate so that it can actually become a valid contract. And then I can actually legitimately close. Right. Okay. So why don't you, how can you get a hold of me without me putting my private email on here? I don't want people emailing me like, how do you protect your interests? What are you talking about, bro? I'm a badass. I, I, I don't protect my interests. Okay. Kevin Cho, you, you know, what's up in this. So in this situation, let's be honest here. Okay. I'm going to put myself at risk because you have no money. How'd you find this deal? To me? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you started. Come, bro, come on. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? I got, this deal. <laughs> I got this deal for marketing. I almost feel like I can't do a deal with you now that you asked that question. No, no, chill out. I thought you were reading a text, like the side chat still. I, I know. No. I'm just kidding. So tell, tell me, where did you find this deal? Yeah, I found this deal in Decatur, but I found it through marketing. It was just from from the government, government list. Okay. Did you cold call them? Did you text them? Yeah, I cold called them, correct. Okay. And don't tell me the address because we don't want people knuckleheads on here. Um, but what do you what is what did you buy it for? What's the price? So I got it under contract for two thousand five hundred. The house is per the house. You purchased no, it, for it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's a lot for $2,500 in Decatur. Right. Okay. And what do you think? Oh, man. Okay. Now this is a whole nother story. I'll, I'll help you out, but I'm not a bill. I don't want to be a builder in Decatur, but I'll, I'll, I'll either help you find a buyer. I'll show you what, what it looks like. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay. I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you, hold on. Let me, there's a private chat. I'm going to put my email in the private chat. Okay. Okay. And shoot me an email and I'll help you out. Got it.
And what I'll do is I'll get my students involved and we'll find a pro we'll find a probate attorney that can help out and I'll pay for the probate and I'll show you. But the, the, the proper answer is, um, I'm glad you don't have a mentor because I would want to karate chop his ass. Cause if he didn't tell you the fact that you're not in a valid contract and that your buyer essentially has to put risk out to pay for that probate. Right. Now what we do is we pay for the probate before we go find a buyer because we have the money. Mm-hmm. Right. But you are holding your phone upside, upside down. I doubt you have the money to pay for a probate attorney. Yeah. Maybe it's coming upside down on your side, but it's up, upright on my side. But yeah, that's correct. I'm just teasing you, dude. <laughs> I, I got, I, I can't be your big brother if I'm not teasing, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I feel you. Um, happy to help you out. Let's, let's get, uh, send me an email. I got you in this, in the private chat. Does that help answer your question of well, what's going on? Yes, that does a lot. But the thing is, I have another question, if that's okay. Sure. So um, I'm having a problem. So do you use DocuSign, correct? Or what, what do you use to get the signatures? I use DocuSign. Okay. And so what I'm having a problem is I'm trying to walk the last person in from doing an agreement. And she's saying, she keeps saying she has trouble signing the agreement for some reason. Um, is that a thing? Like, cause I've, I added where three people, correct? Like, have you ever had a problem with having somebody sign? Yeah. The- Do you yeah. know how I solved that? How? I drive over, meet them at Starbucks. I do whatever I got to do to walk them through and get them signed. Or I'll do it on a Zoom. A lot of times my wife or my transaction coordinator will go, hey, no problem. Let's just get on a Zoom and I'll show you what to do. Got it. Hey, I, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for thanks for giving out this time. Of course. Happy to do it. Pre- um, send me an email. Let's do the deal together, okay? Sounds good. I appreciate I'll, it. I'll, I'll probably bring in a couple of my Atlanta. I was just there in Atlanta like, a week ago, we had a big party with like 300 people at the bowling alley. Did you come out, out there? Yeah, I actually missed it. I was actually busy doing um, my, my regular job. So I, I just still, I haven't like been full time or anything yet. I'm still. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Love it. But well, then um, we'll, we'll, I'll have you work with some sub two students and I'll, we'll help you out. Okay. I'll front the cost of the probate. I appreciate you, man. Okay. So does everybody, has everybody learned that lesson? If I find somebody that's, um, inherits a lot or inherits a property and I go sign a contract with them, that's not a valid contract. And the reason being is because it hasn't gone through the legal process for those owners to actually be the legal right, uh, rightful representatives of that house. Okay. So um, that's not a valid contract. I like that he's getting them under some sort of agreement, even though it's not valid um, he's not breaking the law. It's just that he won't be able to close with that contract. What will happen is somebody, either him or the buyer will have to risk their money to go and, um, get that property through probate. And then ultimately, um, go back to those sellers and re-sign an addendum. Okay. Hopefully that helps make sense. Who in here actually has good internet and you're not in your mom's house. Jordan Anthony, when was the last time I saw you, bro? What's up? What's happening? How you doing, man? It's been a minute. You handsome freaking devil. What's up? The same to you. <laughs> Nothing, man. So I got a got a quick question. Okay. Um, I got this property. I'm not, I don't think it's a deal, but um the only way it can be a deal is if we refinance out, okay, and get that uh because here's the situation. He's paying like seven hundred dollars in mortgage payments. Um, 
and he wants about 7% in interest for the okay. equity. Okay. Now the challenge is the rent rate in the area is around 100, or I'm sorry, $1,250 to $1,400. Okay, hold on a second. All right, cool. Now, now you're making me want to get my whiteboard out. Hold on a second. Cool. We'll, we'll do it for the people that are visually uh, stimulated easily. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm one of them. Like, stimulate me. Okay, so you've got, it's a sub-two deal, it sounds like. Um, hybrid. Oh, it's a hybrid. Okay, cool. Yep. He has okay, so the, the first position loan is how much? The sub-two loan is how much? Yeah, 67000 67000 but what's my payment? 718 per month. Damn, That's this must be a really old loan. It's almost going to pay off pretty soon. Um, he has 62 in equity. Okay, that makes sense. So 716 is the payment? 780 is 780. Okay, great. Yeah, and then yeah. the equity situation is what have you worked out with him on that? Right. So he's asking for 130 for the property. 100 Okay, $130,000 total, so he has $60,000 equity. Okay, great. Yep. Easy. Uh, what do you got? Um ARV for the property is around 110 around there. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Um so he's asking for 7% in interest on his money. Okay, on sixty thousand dollars. So, what would my payment end up being? Around four hundred dollars. Four hundred. Okay. Right. Um, got it. And how much would you have to put any money down? In that case, no. I would do five percent, which is like two thousand five hundred. It's a it's a uh, turnkey. It's already nice. So. Okay. And what's the what's the rent happening right now? One thousand two hundred. Okay. Got it. So. Um, Sounds like it's, it's a, so it's a total break even essentially month, month in and month out. It's actually, um, it will actually lose money because you'll end up kind of having to put about a hundred, $200 a month into repairs and maintenance. Right. So you'll actually lose money. But the way I look at that deal is where, what city is this in? Ohio or Cincinnati. <laughs> okay. Cincinnati. Um, all right. So here's the way I would look at that. So a buyer like me would actually buy a deal like that. Does it cash flow today? No. But will it cash flow next year or maybe the year after? Possibly. Right. So it doesn't mean it's not a deal. It just means it's not a deal for you and a lot of the buyers. Right. A lot of the buyers will look at that and go, well, where's the cash flow? But let's look at like what multifamily um, investors buy for. Right. They're not buying based on today's ability to cash flow. Multifamily buyers are basically buying deals with a break even cash flow right now. Because they know that the average multifamily deal, you know, 16 plexes and above, are raising their rents every three years. So their play is not right now. Their play is three years from now, six years from now, nine years from now, after they raise the rents three times. But what you've done is you've gained access and control of an asset with $2,500. For me, if this was an area that I was buying in, let's say Decatur, Decatur Georgia, I would actually buy that deal. Okay. I wouldn't, you wouldn't be getting a large assignment fee. You might make 2,500 bucks or something, but for me to gain access and control of an asset at that, mm -hmm. I would probably do that deal. Okay. What you need to do is you need to find a buy and hold investor that, you know, it's not the greatest deal, but it is a deal. You need to find a buy and hold investor that cares primarily about depreciation. Okay. Now, now I got to, here, here's what I was thinking. Okay. Okay. What if I did a refinance on the property? Okay. Get them $30,000. Cause I think the property is worth around one, 
hundred thousand, maybe one ten, maybe. You're t- you're saying give have him do a re- a cash out refi. Correct. Okay. Give him the um thirty thousand of equity. Uh, then I make that monthly payment. Say it goes up from five point seven five in interest. That's what the mortgage is. So uh-huh. around you know maybe six. Um, and this this is here where I'm stuck at because he says that the mortgage is in that or the the property is in an LLC. Yep. And so the interest rate would jump up a lot higher than yeah. A, the than interest rate would go probably in the mid fours, probably like four point five. What's it at right now? It's at five point two five right now. Yeah, your interest rate would actually go lower. Really? Yeah, I mean, if you go to like my investor loan or a couple of other other lenders we're using right now, my interest rate's like four point five percent. Even if it's in a uh, LLC. Specifically, if it's an LLC, that's what these lenders do. They lend to LLCs like me. Like every every loan that I go get, you guys, you saw the houses that I showed you guys on public record a little bit ago. All of those bought their the houses were bought through myinvestorloan.com through an LLC. Got it. How should I approach this guy in terms of so go get your house refinanced on my investor loan? Does he need now? You could either do that or you could do the Morby method, right? And I haven't seen you in a while, so maybe you don't know what the Morby method is. Oh, I'm I'm hit. I'm definitely hit. You're you've been you're you know what the Morby method is? So essentially, I I know the concept of it. I've never done it. So the more the Morby method is the the reverse of that. So essentially, what it is is what you're talking about. So let's say a seller wants a large down payment, right? What's my solution to this? Let's go through this just real quick, okay? For for specifically, I'm just gonna be talking to you because I appreciate you and you're a handsome devil. Appreciate you too, love. Okay, so what what you what you have is let's say a seller wants too much, okay? Option one, which you've already done, is get better at negotiating, right? Like that's the first option, right? But we already know that you're past that, right? So get better at negotiating. That's your first option. Okay, it doesn't mean, hey, give the seller exactly what they want without trying and without going down a fight. I'm going to assume that you've already done that. Okay. Second thing you can do is you can do, uh, you can do a hybrid, which we've talked about, but the hybrid essentially is a break even at best. So probably not the best way to go about doing it. Third way to do it is you can do a cash out refi where the seller goes out and does the cash out refi. And then what you're doing is you're, you're taking over his loan sub two. And what I would do is if you, if you go to a guy like this, he goes and gets a new loan in his LLC, right? And he gets out $30,000 out of this deal, right? The old sub two loan gets paid off. His little chunk of his equity gets paid to him. He gets 30,000 in his pocket. The way I would structure that is I'd say, Hey, you've got 30 grand up front let me take this over sub two and then I won't make payments to you on the remaining $30,000 of equity for 36 months, right? I would essentially create a silent period of 36 months that allow me to have some, you know, some on-ramp, essentially some ability to build up and raise the rents to a point where I could start making him payments on that second position. Okay. A cash out refi would allow you to do that because now you didn't have to give him cash. He went and he went and grabbed it from myinvestorloan.com, right? Right. Now, um, Primal Eskimo says, what do you recommend for beginners first? Wholesale cash? Good luck with that. Competing against every every freaking dog in the fight. Good luck with that. Now, um, here's the thing. 
Then the fourth method is if the seller is like, I, I can't get a loan or I don't want to get a loan, then you use the Morby method. And the Morby method is the exact opposite of the cash out refi where you go and obtain, obtain the loan. Okay. You get a non-QM or non-qualifying mortgage through like a my investor loan or somebody like that, somebody along those lines that that's their job. It's not Chase. It's not Wells Fargo. It's not a conventional loan. It's a non-QM, a non-qualifying mortgage, which means you're not qualifying for the mortgage. They're lending based on the asset. That makes sense? Okay. And then what you do is you have, so that becomes the first position. And then you ask your seller to create a second lien position for the remaining equity. And it would be the same exact thing. You go to you go to uh, myinvestorloan.com. You get a non-QM for you know paying off his loan plus thirty thousand to him, okay, and then you have him carry the remaining thirty thousand dollars in a second lien position with no payments for thirty six months. Got it. Does do I need his approval to get a non-Q home? Q or a no, 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 no. Really? Word. Yeah. Cool. And so uh, Sean Baxter says, so I have to put a down payment on the deal. No, because the seller has enough equity. The lender is going to give you a loan based on the equity, right? So what, what, um, what we're talking about, Jordan Anthony is saying is that the seller, the house is worth essentially $110,000. The lender is going to bring, I don't know, probably 80 to $90,000 to the table. And you're not going to need any down payment because there's a big enough gap between these numbers. They're going to give you um, probably 70 to 80% loan to value. So if the value of the property is valued at $110,000, they're going to give you a loan of 80 to $90,000. Okay. So um, you don't need the seller's permission to get a non-QM loan um, at all. You just go to myinvestorloan.com, just say, hey, I, I need to get a loan for this potential pro or for this property. What uh, my investor loan is going to do is they're going to tell you, Jordan, hey, here's how much money we're willing to give you. So the challenge with the Morby method, this is a method I created. It, the challenge with it is that you need to go to the lender first before you go and negotiate. And the lender's great. You just need to build a, a relationship with them and say, hey, how much are you, you willing to lend me on this property? And they'll say, we're willing to give you $82,712. Well, okay, now, Jordan, you know exactly what you needed to go do to go back and negotiate with that seller. You now have the arrows to pierce that seller's heart because you have the right dollar amount that you can obtain. Does that make sense? Correct. Okay. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to repeat it just so I can make sure I got it, right? So essentially go to my my myinvestorloan.com. Mm -hmm. Say, all right, I got this property. How much can you, how much are you willing to loan for it? Say, yep, right. I want to buy this thing long-term. I want to, I want to keep this thing as a long-term rental. How much can you give me as a loan? Cool. And then I go back to the seller. So essentially you would like to do that first before you talk to the seller. Right. I, I can tell the seller. So like I have a deal right now where the seller knows I'm waiting for my lender to tell me how much money that I'm going to bring to the table. So it, it depends on the situation. I hate to give you that answer, but like I would just tell the seller, Hey, if I could go get a loan, that would bring roughly eighty to ninety thousand dollars to you. Would you be willing to carry the remaining thirty or forty thousand dollars in a second lien position? And the seller says, "Absolutely not." Well, then you got to get better at negotiating and telling stories and third party, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if the seller says, "Yeah, I, I would do that," okay, great. Give me a couple of days. 
and I'm going to go back to my lender. I'm going to see what my lender is going to give me as a loan. Go to the lender. Lender says, yeah, you know what, Jordan, we're going to give you $87,112. You now know exactly. And you go to the, you go to the seller and you go, I can get a loan for $87,112, but that doesn't pay you everything that you want to sell the house for. So I need you to sell or finance the remaining equity in a silent position for 30, 36 months. And then after 36 months, when I have the ability to raise the rents, I can then start making you a little bit of a monthly payment. Got it. Would you, in this case, since he only has $60,000 of equity, just, well, I guess since his other mortgage is 5.25, it makes sense to just use the other or, or cash that one out, cash that mortgage out mm -hmm. and then go with the 4.5% instead. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Dude, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. For sure. For sure. Um, okay. So Kevin Gleave, I think that's how we say your name. Kevin, what's up? How you doing? Control D. I can hear you, Kevin. You muted yourself on accident. I don't know how you did that, but you you were talking perfectly fine. Oh, there you go. Now I can. Now you're unmuted. You can talk. I don't have a. I don't have a question. I'm just watching. Oh, you got. Okay, got it. Uh, Dylan, what up, dog? You're muted. Something's going. It says that you, it looks like your mute. Your mic is unmuted, but your headset's not working for some reason. All right, Jeffrey, what up, dog? Yo, what's up, Pace? How you doing? Can you hear me? I'm great, man. Good to see your energy, man. You're you always got the greatest energy. Yeah, I, re I remember meeting you in Long Beach one time. That was really awesome. Um, that was about two years ago, and then um, yeah, I've just been doing my best to get into it. And now I have one locked up here in Dove Canyon. Um, it's in Chibuco Canyon in California. It's uh, hey, Jeff a Jeffrey. Hold on a second. I gotta I gotta tell everybody in the side chat the answer to this great question. Jorge Haraz. Hey, Pace, I've been told you cannot sub two deals in New York. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely not. We've done sub two deals in New York, New Jersey, all of the communist states. We've done deals everywhere. You can do seller finance. You can do subject to. You can do novation agreements. Jorge, whoever told you that was probably a real estate agent who has lack of experience or a closing attorney who has lack of experience as well. Um, about two years ago, I had a, a subset of... Uh, students specifically in New Jersey and New York that were looking for a reason to say they couldn't do this in New York. And I go, how about you guys go find your attorneys and I will talk to them. And I get on the phone with their attorneys on a Zoom and they go, oh yeah, we can do this. Absolutely. Your, your students just didn't explain it properly. I was like, oh, okay, great. And then that dissipated and went away for, I haven't heard about New York or New, New Jersey not being able to be done sub two in two years. Absolutely not. There is not one state. Let me answer this first and foremost. There's not a single state in the United States that cannot do subject to or seller finance, novation agreements, Morby method, any of these things that we're talking about tonight. It is 100% not true. When somebody tells me that, that just means they have a lack of experience. Um, Jeffrey, how you doing, man? Tell me what you got. I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm a little bit anxious. Um, I got a point deal locked up. It's um, I'm selling. We're selling it for 1.6. Mm -hmm. I'm selling it for 1.6. It's here in Chibuco Canyon. Now I'm working with an investment company right now, and he's just he's a wholesaler. He's a big wholesaler here, and then he goes to a lot of meetups. Um, and he's dispositioning it at 1.67. Um, okay. 
but I get this really weird vibe working from him. I did only one deal before for 5K in Victorville with Keegley, um, and I decided to work with um, his buyer. I don't want to put him on blast or anything, but it's just been really weird lately, and I don't know, like, like if he's like messing with me or what. But what is like, he not communicating not, with you? He's not t giving you updates. He's telling he's you he found a buyer, but he, he what, what are you telling me? He's communicating me with me. He he said he has a good buyer lined up. Um, he actually viewed the property. The buyer viewed the property with me, and the agent, and um, he um, he's put. He said that he scheduled wire transfer on Friday, but escrow is closed, and it was past the sh the bank cutoff time. So so escrow wouldn't actually have it until Monday, um, and Monday morning. So I have to confirm tomorrow Monday morning that um, at EMD was deposited before I do sign an assignment contract. Now, also, it does say in the assignment contract that the the assignment contract would be null and void if the seller, if the assigner doesn't sign within 24 hours of the other signing signing, and they sign on the 18th and the 19th, and we're still yet to sign the assignment contract because we don't want to be locked into a deal that that you know we don't know if he'll be performing on. So, okay, so you go and lock up a contract. Jeffrey, who's your who's your mentor? Uh, you are my mentor, and um, Jamil Dandy is my mentor. And okay, and I, who um, who taught you how to do assign a deal like this? Who taught me how to assign a deal like this? Um, I, I would never teach you to uh, to wait to sign an assignment after the deal is already sold. Never wait to sign an assignment until the deal is already sold. To a, a buyer. So the right the right process is this: you get a house under contract. You control the contract. Is that correct? What happened here? You went directly to the seller. You got a contract. Yes, I went through. I no, it was listed with an agent, and she's double dipping. Okay, great. So you you did the Jerry Norton method of double dipping with an agent. Got it. Yeah. So, but you have control of that contract. The agent and you were working directly together. I do. Yeah, the agent and me are di working directly together. And okay. Do you have a contract between you and the seller and the agent? Yes. It's a okay. You then took that contract and you should have assigned it to the person who's dispoing the deal for you. Mm -hmm. I haven't assigned it to them yet, though. However, the deal is already closed and wires have already gone. The deal isn't already closed. It was open in escrow on the 16th on Wednesday. Oh, no, Thursday. We Got it. Okay. So... I'm wondering why wouldn't you just sign the assignment if the guy says he's got it sold? Because, be, because we want to make sure that the EMD was already deposited. Got it. Okay. These, this is why I'm asking these questions because I'm, we're got to make sure we're finding information. Got it. Okay. So you are doing this pr the proper way. What they're essentially doing is you don't want to be locked into a deal with this buyer because you're not sure if he's actually deposited earnest money and he's actually going to be the buyer. You might, he might be going out there, shopping it, shopping it, shopping it to all these potential buyers. You're locked into an assignment with him. So even if he doesn't find a buyer tomorrow or the next day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, he now has control of the situation because you are, you have assigned the deal to him. So you're waiting for him. Now here's, here's what's going on. You, you probably have asked him like, hey, has earnest money ha popped in? Has earnest money popped in? Have you guys put your earnest money in? And he, he's not answering you specifically and um, like very clearly. Is that correct? 
yeah, and he's being really like weird about it because I called him on it and then he was like, I just want to make sure the buyers were able to deposit EMD. And he was like, why are you having a test for my buyers? Is it because they're Hispanic? And I was like, what? No, that is not the reason why. I just want to make sure that everything is set in place so that like everything, and it was just, it was just a weird tension. And on top of that, he also sent me two invoices and he it was put that all checks were made payable to this LLC, this investment company. And it was under my, 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 my my name one of them was under the invoice was under my name and one invoice was under his llc name but all, on both of them it said make all checks payable okay so um jeffrey so did you who, who's the one that created the the assignment okay. contract um he's the one who created the assignment contract okay so the, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something as a student of anybody legitimate we will never teach you to use somebody else's assignment contract yeah, it's sketchy, and then that's what my dad. What, what I would go to call call up Christian Hernandez out of Vegas, one of our sub two students, okay, and have him walk you through getting the contract assigned properly through our assignment. Here, okay. Do not use a buyer's assignment. Of course, they're going to put all the things in there to protect themselves. And if the guy is not willing to sign the contract, the assignment contract, then you got to go find another buyer, my brother. Yeah, we have like a really set timeline. I mean, we have like. I think we do have one back. We do have one backup offer that is ready to deposit EMD, but like, um, yeah. He doesn't, this guy doesn't have a buyer. He would tell you straight up, he, yeah, EMD is getting deposited. He, yeah, he, he said that he does have a buyer. He, he did say that EMD was deposited and he actually sent me a screenshot of the wire, the wiring of the EMD, 45300. Okay. He he sent me a screenshot, but I just the only thing is that I'm I'm not able to confirm with escrow. But until tomorrow. Done, until tomorrow. And I've never I haven't done a deal with him. My buddies of mine that we partnered up on the on the uh, Astro course with has done a co wholesale with them. Um but I mean I just I just wanna be as cautious as possible because I don't Je want Jeffrey, here's what I would do. Reach out to Christian Hernandez, reach out to Kevin Cho, reach out to some of our students that are in the side chat right now and have them review the assignment contract they're about to sign with this guy. And in the future, don't ever tell a buyer you're willing to sign their assignment contract. Only use mine. I use yours. Okay. But I guess for the meantime, I should just wait until I can contact escrow tomorrow to deposit. There's two, the there's two things you should do. One, contact escrow. Two, contact Kevin Cho. Christian Hernandez, other sub two students and have them look over your assignment contract and tell you whether it's legit or not. And if it's not, ask them what they would do. Kevin Cho has been in this exact situation before. Yeah, I know Kevin Cho. I've seen him. He's, he seems like a cool guy. I've never spoken to him personally, but um, okay. So I'll contact Christian Hernandez and um, Kevin Cho and then I'll go ahead and also contact the- Yep, go um, in the private Facebook group and reach out to Kevin Cho. Okay, got you. And we're I having a sub two and a uh, sub two party over at my house on Thursday night. Just FYI. Sub two at your party at, on Wednesday night. Thursday night. Oh, th this Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, I'll contact him. Thank you so much, Pace. I really appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. All right, um, Dylan. Did we figure out your headset yet? My side. There we go. Now you're now it's working. What up, dog? How you doing? Hey, man, I appreciate you taking my call. You're awesome. So uh, appreciate the time. Yeah, yeah. 
So I wanted to hop on here. I had a quick call. I, uh, I have a house locked up under contract in Bradenton, Florida. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. And so the uh, thing with this house is, it's uh, just real quick, when I went in to sign the contract with the, uh, the seller, it turned out that there was apparently, to my count, about seven different homeless people living in the house, shooting up heroin and smoking meth in the guest bedroom while we were striking the deal on the kitchen table. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty crazy experience. Okay. <laughs> Man, my, my heart was pounding like crazy. Um, so we got the house locked up for 200000 It needs a full renovation, as you can imagine. The house is in you know really rough shape. The ARV on the house is uh, maybe around 330, 325, 330. Uh, three bed, two bath in, in Bradenton, Florida. So my question is the guy, he owes $186,000 on his mortgage balance. He was in pre-foreclosure, got a loan mod. Now he owes 186. And uh, he told me, he said, Dylan, if you just you know can get me an RV, I will give you the house. I told him, sir, I cannot get you an RV, but I can buy your house and get you the money for the RV. Yeah. Uh, my question is, in this situation, my first thought was, could this potentially be a subject to where I just take over the all, mortgage all day long? I this is, I I already know what I would do on this deal. Oh, really? Because it's actually not that good of a, a, a fix and flip. It's yeah, it's going to be tight on, on a fix and flip because since I just, I just I'm looking at my fix and flip anal analyzer. I'm like, I, I wouldn't touch the deal. Really? Well, because it's a full flip. It's a full fix and flip. And and and, and you're not. A, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, Dylan. You're not a fix and flipper. I've done a couple, but I'm not an experienced fix and flipper, okay, let, and I don't want to represent myself as such. Yeah, I totally get that. Let's let's have a conversation. Where you did you hit your budget and did you hit your timeline? As far as, oh, on my fix and flips? Yeah. Oh, hell no. <laughs> okay. Guess guess what, Dylan? That's the answer every fix and flipper is going to say. Even after doing 7,000 renovations, that's still my answer. Nope, we don't hit our budget. Nope, we don't hit our timeline. It's We always go over and we always take more time than we think. Every single yeah. time. Okay. So like looking at that and adding the buffer that it would take to actually do this project with that spread with a full renovation, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a waste of somebody's time. Now, here's why. Okay. It actually, this is a better deal as a novation agreement. Do you know what a novation agreement is? Yeah. Where you, uh, I have a general understanding. I'm not a sub two student and I don't want to represent. I, I understand. That's just why I'm asking you if you know these things. I know you're not a sub two student. Yeah. My understanding is you basically have an agreement with the seller to where, uh, you do the renovation side and then they go and sell. And then you have a agreed upon price, anything over that price, the, you know, you as the investor gets to keep, but you're the one bringing the capital and the knowledge for yep. the uh, fix and flip. So if, if I was going to do this as a fix and flip, I would only do it at a, as a novation agreement. And the reason being is because the one of the biggest chunks of money that it takes to buy a house is my upfront costs, right? So let's go through it real quick. If I'm looking at a deal that I buy for 200 and it's gonna need an $85,000 renovation, probably, I would budget 60 and it would end up being 85, okay? Yeah. And now I sell it for 325 and after closing costs, commissions, blah, 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 all the things along the way, I might, maybe, I might make $10,000, okay? What's just funny because a lot of wholesalers will look at that deal and go, man, I got $125,000 spread. And I'm like, okay, with materials and labor double what they were three years ago, yeah. that $125,000 spread is not what it used to be. Right. Yeah. So this is where you'll have a hard time making that 
getting that deal done as a fix and flipper. So the way you can mitigate that is avoid the upfront cost of buying it in the first place, right? Which is why we do a novation agreement. Okay. There's two, sometimes three reasons why you do a novation agreement. One, when I bought, let's say you sold that deal to me, right, Dylan, at mm -hmm. let's say 220, you, you buy it for 200, you sell it to me for 220 and you make a $20,000 assignment fee. Well, guess what? I got to go pay a lender, right? I'm going to go get a hard money loan. No, by the way, nobody fix and flips with cash. And if they do, they're dumb. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nobody fix and flips with cash. Everybody uses somebody else's money, right? Either a hard money lender, a private money lender, whatever. Nobody's fixing and flipping cash. And if you are, you're boring and you're stupid. Mark my words, you're dumb. Okay. And you can hate me. Fight me in the back of an alleyway and you're in, I'll beat your ass. You are stupid. Don't real use quick. <laughs> my very first flip was a mobile home on land that I did with all my own money. And I agree. Uh, I bought it for 55, uh, put 15 into it. Oh, and sold you could it put for... your money somewhere else way better. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, my, my, my first one, but you're absolutely, you're 100% right. Um, you could have put your money out. I've used my own cash too, but I just realized like, wow, I could have paid somebody a couple thousand dollars in interest and I could have put my money in another deal or I could have bought a title company. I could have invested in anything else besides doing fix and flips. Right. So yeah. anyway, so somebody's going to go and obtain a loan, right? For $220,000, what they're going to pay for is they're going to pay for title, escrow fees, title insurance, uh, lender insurance. They're going to pay for lending fees, right? So their lender's going to ask for points all and all that points. kind of stuff. Yep. And now my, so that's the first thing I avoid, right? I avoid all that rigmarole, probably about $10,000 of costs associated with just acquiring the property. So I didn't buy the property from you, Dylan, at 220. I bought the property from you at 230, mm -hmm. right? But wholesalers don't see that. You do because you've done fix and flips. You understand the cost of acquisition. So now yeah, I'm, I'm into it 230, not 220. Now my payments this is the second reason why people do novation agreements is because now my payments are dramatically higher than what they would have been if I just took this thing over subject to because the subject to loan is the existing loan that's mm -hmm. being paid on with a lower interest rate. But my hard money lender is going to be at nine to 14 percent. Mm -hmm. So now my payments along the way, as I'm renovating and waiting for my buyer to buy the house and close escrow, they're double, sometimes triple what a sub two loan would be. So the novation agreement is primarily there to mitigate the cost. So if I bought the house from you for whatever, 220, and I'm lucky if I go make 10, but I bought it from you as a novation agreement, I would almost double or maybe two and a half times my potential profit. I would make 25 grand on that. And now maybe it's a potential deal for me. So mm -hmm. a novation agreement would be great um, or a subtail, right? So if I was the buyer, I don't even know where that city is. It is just south of uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. You got to uh, name a city that regular people know. St. Peter, uh, Tampa, maybe uh, Tampa, 35, 40, 40 minutes okay, cool. south of Tampa, Florida. Yeah, yeah, perfect. We People outside of Florida know like five cities. We know Tampa. We know um, Miami. We know West Palm Beach, I would say. Oh, um, man, you're, you're going to get to know St. Pete. I'm going to be seeing you in Vegas. I'm already coming out there, signed under it. your thing, under St. Pete. So I got my Oh, that would be dope. Crossed. That would be super Man, that dope. you come out to, uh, yeah, St. Pete's right next to Tampa. It's on its own peninsula. Beautiful beaches. You're going to I love hope it. I don't go out there because it's so humid in the summertime. 
Oh, no, it's great. You're going to be in the water the whole time. You're going to have a great time. <laughs> Tell okay, Lori so, the kids, everyone's going to be having a blast. So on this deal, yes. So if I was the buyer on this deal, like what Cody and I would do is I would go to him and I would go find an RV and I would buy the RV cash, okay? And I would just take over his loan subject too. Now I could then do a handful of things. I could assign that deal to somebody for a higher amount because now I'm giving them financing. I'm literally handing financing over to a fix and flipper and saying, Hey, you don't have to go out and get a hard money loan and acquisition fees and this and that and da, 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 da. And I could assign that deal. But now the challenge there is I've got upfront costs associated with this. And most wholesalers, when they're first starting out, don't want to hear that anything costs any money. Right. So like literally 80% of the stuff that I say out of my mouth is trying to geared be geared towards somebody who's afraid to spend one cent. Yeah. on marketing, one cent on solving a seller's problem. But legitimately, if that was my deal, me as Pace Morby, I would buy that deal, buy the RV, get the RV, take the existing loan over subject two, and then I would probably just at my stage of the game as I would keep it as a rental. Because every time I freaking wholesale a deal, I drive by it a year later and I'm like, man, that thing went up a hundred grand. Oh, why, yeah. did I hold, I why did I ever think wholesale was a good idea? Yeah. It's funny. The more and more people that I meet that have had the experience like you've had and have wholesale properties or just fixed and flipped and sold them. So many people have told me, gosh, I wish I would have held on to more property. I right. heard that so many times since getting into this space. I actually did a YouTube video today where I was like, well, or wholesale is a fast way to burning yourself out. We wholesale. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We wholesale when we need to, but we, we really are like at a point now where we'd rather just fix and flip where we get larger chunks of money. And then we also do the burst. I never talk about the burst strategy. Um, Kyle Robichaud is going to tell me he has a success story for fix. He's going to tell me about burr or he's going to tell me about how he did something with cash, something along those lines. But Kyle, you can tell me on Tuesday in the general Q and a in, in uh, sub two, I'd love to chat with you. So the, um, so, um, what I would do is yes, I would pay, I would go get an RV. I did this. I did this uh, like four years ago. I had a lady that's like, I have an, a broken down RV. I just want to go live and travel around the country. And um, I went out to look for an RV for her. And I found an RV that I thought she would like. She ended up not liking it, but the dealer that had it found her something else. And I cut the check, got her the thing. And I still own that house today, subject to. And so what is your protection, I guess? I mean, I have the house under contract. So, uh, you know, it's contracted with my company. But is that the only protection I have? And then if I go buy an RV and then- Is he making the payment right now? Uh, no, currently he's three months behind on his mortgage payment. So he's not in pre-foreclosure, but he is. he has stopped paying as of three months ago. Okay. Also, another, another twist in here that I found uh, up- after I signed the deal was that, Hey, that new, he had put on a new roof about four months prior with solar panels. And there was also a $55,000 lien against the property, or he owes $55,000 for this new roof with solar panels that he's got like a monthly payment on that. I can't imagine he's paying that either. Yeah. So what I would do is I would tell, I, I would call the solar company and either a assume the solar panel, if it's actually mitigating the electrical cost, mm -hmm. if it's not, I would tell them to come and pick it up. Oh, you can do that. Yeah. 
really. I have a copy of his uh, bill with the solar panel. They don't uh, want to. But guess what's going to happen? He'll end up getting foreclosed on and they'll end up losing their panels. It'll go to the next person. They can't enforce the next person to take over their solar panels. Now, they can put a lien on the property. But what, ha yeah. what happens to a lien, Dylan, when somebody gets foreclosed on? Anybody in second position goes away. Yeah, so they'll just lose out, you know, whatever they have in there. Yep, I would just I would call and I'd say, "Hey, my uncle, okay? My uncle owns this property. He's going to get it foreclosed on. He can't afford these payments. I'm going to advise you right now. He's already 3 months behind. You guys better come pick up your shit." Wow, and they'll come and snatch those panels right off. They're not going to do it happily. They're not going to do it with a smile, but Yeah. It's better than getting foreclosed on. Gotcha. My my main concern. John, what's interesting, Johnny says, no, you can't. Pace, they'll charge a dismantling fee, usually fifteen thousand dollars plus. Johnny, I've done this. I know about their dismantling fee. If they're worried about somebody getting a lien removed because of foreclosure, they really don't have any security whatsoever. The guy's in planning on getting foreclosed on. Yeah, and who's the who's the dismantling fee going to go to? The seller who's already not paying for the the roof or the lien anyway. Right. Um, so my main hesitation or my main concern with proceeding with a subject to or innovation, other than the fact that I'm not yet a sub two student and, and, and all that stuff, but is that, okay, now I'm going to have a long-term relationship with someone who is financially unreliable financially you don't unstable. you don't have a long-term relationship with a seller on a subject to deal okay uh even though the mortgage would stay in that person's name what do you need him for what if he declares bankruptcy uh a year later or I, i'm sure declare, these questions he are declares bankruptcy on a debt that is, okay so in in my sub two purchase contract the seller actually waives their right to file bankruptcy on that individual debt okay Okay. Okay. And then the yeah, other thing is if you ever, I've had this happen where a seller does come two, three years later down the road, they file bankruptcy. And then I get a letter saying that your house is being the property because who's the owner at that point, Kyle or Dylan, I'm sorry. Well, you would be the owner of the property. Right. He would so just I get notified. I get debt. notified that my property is being named in a bankruptcy. We then call the judge. This has happened four times now. We call the judge and say, hey, I'm the owner of the property. The purchase per person sold this property to me legally. I took over the existing debt. I'm paying the debt. It's currently being paid on. It's not behind. There's no reason to name it in the bankruptcy. And the judge has 100% removed it every single time from the bankruptcy proceedings. Why would they need to be bankrupt? Why would it need to be filed bankruptcy on? Yeah, if it's being, if it's held current and, you know. Yeah, why would, why would the judge want them to be filed bankruptcy on? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. On the novation side, have you had any issue where you, okay, we walk into another relationship with the seller and then if the house doesn't sell for as much as maybe the person initially thought or they don't receive as much as they initially thought, is there ever oh, any? All the time. All the time. How do you navigate that? You remind them of the contract they signed. Okay. As a nice guy, guy yourself, Dylan, being a really nice guy, unfortunately, you have to recognize that sometimes sellers are just going to be upset no matter what. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> would I do a novation agreement with this guy? No. Yeah. I would. I would take it over subject too. Yeah, and that way and I, would, I would also keep the solar panels on there because if if they're fresh and they're fifty five thousand dollars, what do I care where the cost of the solar panels are? I'm going to keep this thing for forever. 
And my tenants, they're going to live in that property, whether it's an Airbnb or whatever it is, my tenants are going to essentially pay for that electrical bill, bill regardless. So I'll say, hey, I have an electrical panel or I have an electrical um, thing. It pays my payment on it is X amount of dollars and they end up paying it. Yeah. Most of the time with solar panels, as of like 24 months ago, solar panels have gotten to a point where they're essentially break even on your power versus what you um, your cost is, right? So if your power bill is $200, usually your panels can, they might cost $160 and take care of the majority of your power needs. And so it kind of is a wash. So really, you don't need to remove them if you hold that property long-term. You just keep it there and it's a moot point at that point. It's the same thing. Does that yeah. make sense? It does, it does. Okay, so if you hold that property long-term, then what do you care? You'll char end up char charging or uh, you'll charge your tenants or it'll all be kind of bun bundled as your utility cost um, if you end up turning into an Airbnb. Yeah. So you would subject to it in, I mean, in your position now, you're looking to acquire property. So you would hold it or if I wanted to, I would have the ability to wholesale that subject to property. Yep. Uh, you could wholesale that subject to, to a guy like me. And a guy like me would buy a deal like that. If that's an Airbnb-able property, I would buy it. Uh, yeah. Uh, 24 minutes from the beach, uh, centrally located, no HOA. Bro, I'm 24 minutes from the beach and I'm in Phoenix. That's not close to the beach. Come on. <laughs> well, it depends on who you are, man. They'll, they'll uh, have Airbnbs that are a lot farther than 24 minutes to the beach out here. There's so many people out here. Um, so here's, here's what I would do. Um, reach out to Noah Hoffman, my Airbnb manager. Look him yeah. up on Instagram, Noah Hoffman. Uh, yeah, you probably yeah, I'm aware know him. of him. Okay, DM and just say, hey, um, pay, I, I might buy this house subject too. Can you underwrite this deal for Pace and see if it's a good deal for Pace? Yeah. Okay, and okay. if it is and he'll underwrite it and go, great. Yeah, I like this. This is a good one and he would manage it. Then I, I, I'd i be the buyer on that. Okay, very interesting. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do that for sure. While I, I had to have you, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of your sub two students. Like I said, I'm not a student. I have done what you have recommended to so many people and say, hey, uh, reach out to my sub two students and Spencer Bishop, who's located centrally yeah, Spencer's here. Spencer's great. Spencer is phenomenal. So we're doing a deal right now in another uh, uh, place, Newport Ritchie, about uh, 35 minutes south or north of Tampa. But he has just been a, an absolute rock star, man. It's been cool to watch him, you know, do what he does. And so much of what he's uh, learned is from, you know, learned from you. So it's been really cool. I highly advise all people who are not in sub two, like this was a dead lead that I was, you know, wanting to wholesale cash offer the guy agreed to it verbally sent the contract and then he you know shut he, he went blank on me went cold i contacted him two weeks later from my girlfriend's phone saying hey what happened he canceled the deal said i just i changed my mind and then that's when i just pitched the topic of seller finance brought spencer in and spencer has been just phenomenal from end to end on it so and now and that, and that saved the whole thing so we've been moving forward with that I, I, I can't explain this hard enough to people. If you are using wholesale to be try and be ultra successful in, in um, real estate, you will fail. You will burn out on wholesale. I, I promise you, you will. I've been in this business for a long time. I see people come and I see people go. And the majority of the people that are leaving this business are the ones that primarily focus on cash. It's impossible, especially in a market right now. Can you do cash deals in this market? Yeah, but you're fighting against everybody. The sellers then ultimately become your worst enemy But once you get under a contract because they're shopping you to everybody because the sellers are now ultra educated on the fact that they can go sell to an investor. So the mm -hmm. only people that ultra like win 
and provide a win-win scenario are the ones that understand creative finance. So when I tell you guys, go work with my students, this is why I tell you to go work with my students is Dylan took a lead that was dead to him because he's not a sub two student. He then went to Spencer Bishop, who is a sub two student that helped him revive it into a seller finance situation. And now they're going to get a deal done. So if you're not using the, my students, you're, you're, you're irresponsible. You're absolutely irresponsible. I spend a good 30 hours a week with my students. We have 20. Do you know how many support calls we do a week? No, I don't. Just take a guess. Let me tell you, the average mentor in real estate charges $10,000 to $25,000 for education that is limited to three to six months, and they do one support call a week. That's the average, okay? That's, that's what you're going to run into. Okay. Um, now a world-class educator, Walter says, any students in South Florida, bro, I, there's not a zip code in the country. I don't have a student in. We are the most successful mentorship in real estate. Mark my words. It is absolutely true. Find a better mentorship. You won't. Okay. The world-class mentorships do one call a week for six months. Okay. How many support calls do you think we do every single week, Dylan? Now that you know that information, uh, four times as that, four times as many. So four, four, four support calls a week. We do 24 support calls a week. <laughs> this is why when yeah. we talk about community, we hang yeah. out with each other. We love each other. We do parties. I, I get tagged on Instagram 15, 20 times a day. My students are getting together. In fact, I see a, a handful of my students together that had a party in Dallas, had another group of my students have a party in Florida, had another party uh, of students have a party in New York, had another student uh, party up in uh, Oregon today. We get a lot of students that are just having parties and getting together. And the community aspect is critical in your success. And yeah. understanding creative finance is also that. So like, I get people who go, hey, should I start with creative finance or should I start with wholesale? Guys, do you not understand that you can wholesale a creative finance deal? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but when you say like, hey, it's irresponsible not to. I think that is so true because like I'm doing this business full time. I mean, seven days a week, 10, 12 hour days, full time. And I owe it to my business. It costs me so much money, energy, and effort to generate these leads that if I just left everyone die on the vine that doesn't work as a cash offer, it's irresponsible to my business yep. to just let all of these things. I mean, because I all, you know, if a, if a lead comes in that turns out to be a cash offer or, you know, seller finance or sub two or novation, it costs me the same. It's all my lead generation that I'm paying for. And it's, they're a hard fuck. So to let these things just like die on the vine, as opposed to having a strategy to be able to pursue them. And as not, someone who's not a student, something that is so easy as like reaching out to a you know student who's super qualified and eager to help. And, is and crushing he, he, it here Spencer in is very qualified, but also if he wasn't, let's say he's a brand new student, guess who he has access to 24 times a week, somebody in my community or myself. Yeah. Right. It's like that my students can never ever say they can't get a hold of somebody at a very high level to help them through a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I, even if Spencer's like, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. Let me go ask the, the greatest community on planet Earth. The craziest thing about it is that those 24 support calls that we do, how long do they go go for? Uh yeah, 40 minutes, an hour. Oh no, no, no. I, I don't know. I'm not those, I'm not, those I'm not calls sometimes go six hours, whatever. But I'm 
I'm how are you, are you talking about an individual? How long do I get calls? access to those calls is what I'm asking. How, how many months do I get access to those? Uh, I think the most I've heard is six months. How about the most you've ever heard is right now and it's lifetime. You get access to me for life. You pay yeah. one time and you have access to me and my community for life. Yeah. There's nobody doing what we do. And this is why our people stand out, right? Our people become leaders. They turn leaders into leaders. It's an unbelievable world. And so it's also like the reason why I'm hammering on this is because it's not only amazing that you're working with Spencer, it's amazing that Spencer took action and is working with you as well. Because one of the powerful things about creative finance is that while all these people out there trying to learn how to cat, like look at Max Maxwell, Jerry Norton, uh, Brent Daniels, um, Ryan Pinedo, a lot of these guys that are cash people like Kong and all these guys on YouTube that are all friends of mine. I love them all. But look how many subscribers they have. They have a lot of subscribers, which means there's a lot of people desperately trying to figure out how to do cash and, you know, cash wholesaling, right? So oh, if yeah. you're a student of mine, those are all the people like Dylan that I, Dylan, if I sat right next to you for 30 days, how many more deals a month do you think you and I could do by me literally just going into the trash of your leads? Oh God, I, it'd grow Probably an extra four to six deals a month, I would imagine, at least. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and again, that's what I'm angling for. I'm aligning all the cosmic juju in the world to make that happen uh, <laughs> on the Vegas stage. Right, right, right. I would love so, that. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too. You, I know honestly, you, guys... you would make my job really easy. And the reason being is because I, I can imagine what's going to happen is on the Vegas stage, I'm going to, somebody's randomly going to get selected. It's going to be North Dakota and they don't even know what title and escrow means and they're going to win. And so for <laughs> the first three days, I'm going to have to give them basic real estate knowledge and under, like get them to understand what title and escrow and cash and earnest money means. Meanwhile, I got a hardworking guy like Dylan out there that's like, yo, I'm generating leads. I'm doing this full time that I'm like, please, God. Let me choose Dylan. <laughs> well, man, I, I, I hope so. I really hope so. But either way, I, I'm so psyched to, to be there and attend that event and see and everything. But uh, I, I appreciate I really that. Yeah, it's... I really appreciate you uh, answering my, my question and just giving me the opportunity to get on here and, and, you know, get some some information from a creative OG. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Let me know how it goes. Come back on Sunday service and, and come in the comments and I'll pop you up on the screen. Pace, you're awesome. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful night. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Um, guys, that, that was really cool. So um, a couple things. For anybody that doesn't know this, we are doing a one-hour Zoom for free as a, a um, bleed over from today. I wasn't able, I did a four-hour Zoom today all on raising private capital. Tomorrow, we are going to be doing one more hour and I'm going to be giving out, we did not give away the $10,000 today. We're going to give away the $10,000 tomorrow at 6 p.m. Arizona time. Here is the Zoom link I'm giving you guys into the side chat. Please, guys, save it and give it to everybody. That is the Zoom link. I've got 500 people on the live right now. I sure hope you guys are showing up tomorrow because somebody in there will get anyone sell their personal residence sub two. Um, I, I bought most of my personal residence sub two. Go watch my YouTube channel. Um, so link right there in the side chat. Save it, guys, please. It's one hour. I'm going to teach you guys how to do that. Isaiah says, what do we have to do to win the $10,000? Show up. Last week, I gave out $10,000 to Christina Solara. 
and I gave away a $12,000 vehicle to a gentleman named uh, Cliff Clifford, um, Wayne Clifford. That's he goes by Cliff. Okay. I gave out $22,000 last week. I'm going to give out $10,000 tomorrow. Very simple. Show up. Okay. Um, there's the zoom link and I will see you guys tomorrow after wholesale hotline. By the way, guys, if you guys, it's the same thing here. Okay. We have 500 people watching right now. 436 of you guys are on my YouTube channel. So I'm going to suggest to you guys that wherever you are, if you're in the creative finance group, you're in my PJ Morby Facebook group, you're in the Pace Morby Facebook group. I highly suggest that you guys go to my YouTube channel because most people are over there networking. And the way that StreamYard works is that same thing on Wholesale Hotline. If you guys, the majority of the people show up to my YouTube channel, and then I get people in the comments that are like, yo, I, I don't know who you're talking to. I don't see them in the side comments. So make sure, make sure that you guys are going to Wholesale Hotline. And when you do, um, go into my YouTube channel. That's where the majority of people show up. All right. Uh, Lewis says, Pace, can I win 30 days with you? Yes. If you are going to Clever Summit, everybody that's physically going to Clever Summit has a chance. If you are not physically going to Clever Summit, then you are a knucklehead. I pushed it for two weeks and it sold out. Um, Alex Nino says, Pace, I do not need see the Zoom link. I'm putting in in there right now. Um, I will also put it in the free Facebook group, the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group. Here, I'll do it right now. I'll show you guys exactly where I'm going to put it. Hold on. Uh, Pace Morby, creative financing with Pace Morby. Damn, 50, we're almost at 50,000 people in this Facebook group. Okay, here we go. Tomorrow, free Zoom. Here, I'll, I can't do a screen share, but I am putting the, I'm putting this link currently in the creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group. And you guys should be able to get in there very easily and go click on that link. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, somebody says I have uh, I have a 70 unit with single family rental, 73 doors. Um, I would like to pick up with Atlanta also, although I need some help. Michael Ken, is that a cash deal, creative deal? What is that? Reach out to me on my Instagram, please. That would be amazing. Wow, Pace is still on. Damn, that's right, Trent. I go hard, dog. I go hard for my city. Uh, Pace, I bought four tickets with your link. I did not get the link for this morning's four-hour call. Lori, I can guarantee you that if I sat at your computer and went through your spam inbox, I can guarantee you my right arm that you did get the email. Okay, if you are, if you were a sub-two student, you were an Astro student, or if you um, purchased the link with my, my thing, everybody got an email. And everybody that said they didn't get an email and they took a couple of minutes and went through their spam inbox, they go, oh, sorry, Pace, you're right. It's right here. Everybody did. It was like probably a dozen people said that and all of them uh, ended up being wrong. Okay. Um, guys, we will see you tomorrow. I'm putting the Zoom link in there another time. The Zoom link is also in the free Facebook group. We will see you guys tomorrow night, one hour. We are going to give away $10,000 and I will be teaching you guys about Gator lending, which is a strategy of transactional funding. I'll show you guys how to become a transactional funder lender without any money. And it'll be a lot of fun later. Oh.